Hello everyone, this is Roy with The Dumb Will Speak. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to say something from the heart. Um, Shaylin and I discussed this yesterday. As we record this, it is Saturday, January 16th of 2021, and we're recording for the first time in our new studio. Felt like we needed to address something. Today's episode is not going to have anything to do with the current state of affairs in America or in the world, or the affairs of the church, beyond our doctrine that we will be discussing today, which is baptism. We wanted to get back to doing what we do best, which is talk about the Bible, the Word of God. And so we're not going to discuss election results. We're not going to discuss January 6th, the day of Epiphany, riots and uh, demonstrations that occurred in the Capitol. We're not going to discuss impeachment of the current president. We're not going to discuss the upcoming presidency. What we want to get back to is talking about the Bible. But I want to leave you with something before we begin. Paul, in writing to Timothy in the second letter, he talks about he is not ashamed of the testimony of God, but before he says that, he tells Timothy to remember something. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, uh, you could translate that cowardice or fear, but of power and of love and of discipline, and that discipline could be sound judgment, discipline judgment. Guys, we have to be very discerning in these days of what we're going to say, what we're going to do, and how we're going to live. But above all, we hold to the gospel, the truth of Christ, and his word. Our faith is in him, not in man, not in institutions on this earth. So I want to encourage you that whatever you do, do not have the spirit of timidity. Do not have the spirit of fear. Do not have the spirit of cowardice. We love you and we're praying for you and we're praying for our leaders. And, and do that. Pray for the leaders of this country. Pray for your families. And pray to God for mercy as judgment hits our nation. And I believe that is what we're living in. And now... Let the music begin, and we'll start our episode on baptism. You're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello everyone, welcome to The Dumb Will Speak, I'm Roy. I'm Chalen. How you doing Chalen? Doing good, doing good, yourself? I'm well, I'm as well as can be expected in these days in which we live. Today I'm excited about something though, we're going to do something that we, we touched on uh, this week, I think I told you this, Monday, I listened to our very first episode. I've never listened to it. I listened to the introduction, the pilot episode. With the, all the quality sound. Yeah, the 15-minute episode that turned out to be 37 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Long-winded, Roy. Anyway, um, and and I know, I wasn't, I didn't think the sound was as hideous as, hideous as I remembered. <laughs> I guess I'm getting more forgiving in my old age. But, um, I know most, most people tell you I'm not. But anyway, uh I thought about some things, and I had made. I, there was a list of of subjects that we had talked about. We were going to hit on, and I realized we had done a total of three of those well, subjects. The world blew up. <laughs> yeah, shortly exactly. after uh, shortly after our initial pilot episode, the world kind of imploded. So we were led down some ra- uh, uh, some routes that we typically don't go, which was more topical, more um, worldly things, just discussing the. The, the nature of the world, the, the what's going on in the world. So uh, I think you're right in saying this is a good thing to get back to, get back to Scripture, get back to teaching, get back to looking at what Scripture has to say about subjects. 
Well, and and this is uh, a topic that we said we would discuss and that we would we would uh, go come at it from a just a biblical point of view, just sure. a, an honest point of view. We said that we might say things that are not going to be in line with your personal denomination. Those of you that listen to us, I don't know what your denominations are, and I, I don't. I, it doesn't matter to me if you're a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ, you're a brother or sister in Christ, and that's that's all that matters. Um, this is a one of those big topics. I think this is. Not as big as soteriology, which is the biggest, and we've not even touched on that yet, the idea of salvation itself, the study of salvation. But uh, this, along with ecclesiology and that, and then the actual, uh, what's the term for scripture where you, there's actually a, you know, there's an ology for that too, where it's the the study of the text itself. Anyway, doesn't matter. I didn't know there was going to be a test. um, Yeah, me neither. Apparently, I'm not ready. (laughs) So, I'm, I'm I'm getting jacked up on coffee, guys. This is good stuff. But we we do move into this subject of baptism is what we're going to discuss yeah. today. And even within our circle that we're associated with is a controversial subject. It's sure. a subject that has led to division. It is a subject that has led to arguments. Entire denominations, because depending sure. on your view of baptism, you may feel like you can't associate with others. And I don't think you should feel that way. Now, don't get me wrong. I will put one caveat out there before we begin. There is something to understand about about baptism, at least as as I think it is doctrinally shown in the Scripture. It's not going to make or break your salvation. No, I've always so said that it. puts it as a secondary and not a I primary. See. Even though we like to think of it as primary, and if you're, I know you as I uh, were brought into the Baptist faith, and there is a big emphasis on baptism to a certain degree in that in that. The method of which is used, the mode of baptism, the type of baptism, believers, and that sort of thing, they make such a big deal about it that you would think that it is primary. But that's the baptism is not what saves you. I think it's an important doctrine, and you should know what you believe and why you believe it. And and I've always said it's secondary issue. Now that's very controversial amongst people that uh, that I would say that. But the reason I say it's secondary because to to piggyback on what you said, it's not an issue that is salvific. It, right. It's not what saves you. It's not the mode. Now, if you make it the mode that saves you, as certain denominations do, now we have a whole other issue. We, we've we've made baptism uh, salvific, and it's not. So yeah, then, then we have, a, we have a, a total doctrinal disagreement. Absolutely. And for those, I might have a harder time associating with because yeah. they're not going to feel comfortable with me, and I'm probably not going to feel comfortable with them to a certain degree because being dipped in water or sprinkled or poured is not going to save you. And some do take it as a essential to the salvation. They've made salvation a works-based salvation. Um, and, and they've moved away from scripture where we believe that is, it, it is a, um, you are come to repentance and come to faith. And then to show of that change, you are uh, baptized as an outward showing of an inward change. It is symbolic. And, and we'll get into that more, as we go, I don't want to tip our caps and right. run too far off yeah, subject. Yeah, we're in the introduction right now. I, I will say that if if we're giving this a theme, if there's a theme or anything to this uh, that we hope we've 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 done by the end of it is is what is baptism, the definition, and why is the doctrine of baptism important? Because it is important, what, and not what baptism is to us, but right. what baptism is in in scripture. scripture. In scripture, and I want to say the beautiful thing about it is, you know, two people that you and I listen to a lot is R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur. Sure, two people who disagree totally on salvation, yeah. uh, not salvation, but on baptism. Yeah, um, 
you know, one believed in infant baptism, one believes in believer's baptism. Uh, up until the time... Well, Spro was a traditional Presbyterian, and so there's infant, and it's done through sprinkling, and et cetera, et cetera. That was the mode with sprinkling, and the method was infant. Now, don't get me wrong. They did believer's baptism in the sense that you could be baptized as a convert or things like that. We'll get, we're getting, kind of getting ahead, but, but you know, there's different forms of baptism even within Presbyterianism. And w- but with Baptist, it tends to be you either have to be an adult or a young person who has made a public profession of faith. That's that I'm a believer in Christ, and now in obedience and in following His example, I will be baptized. And where I was going with it is, you take those two gentlemen who wholeheartedly disagreed were giants of the faith, and they were the best of friends up until R.C.'s passing. You know, when we lost a good theologian, I guess it was in 2017 when he passed away. And you know, so it's not a issue that should divide us. I mean. They picked at each other. If you if you go on YouTube, there's many videos where these two are always... I remember one where R.C. actually said, I have yet to find a doctrine in which I am wrong on. And he was he was really being funny and yeah. picking fun. And MacArthur kind of leans over and goes, baptism. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's a good laugh. And he, he didn't mean it in any arrogance. But it was just the way those two things. So it's not an issue that should divide us. No. If we have one major subject, and then we had... I wrote down. A, I give you. I gave you a file this week that had ten topics, um, which we might get through too. We might get through one or two, yeah, uh, today. And I and I said let's only concentrate on the first three or four, sure. as far as even researching, because there's no way to get to all these others. And even in one of the things that you're going to, there's a list of things you're going to read in a minute. That even within that, we're not going to cover all those. No, it's we're not just, even going to define those today. Those no. are in the future. We're just going to talk about them because it follows along with, with the very first thing I have on my list is define baptizo, or baptizo is how you could say it, T-I-D-Z-O, if you were transliterating it into English. And of course, it starts with the B-A-P. Uh, in, in, um, in Greek, it wouldn't look like that at all. But anyway, baptizo is, 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 is the equivalent of the word in English, baptize, as a verb. To baptize, to to baptize someone, but there's there's correlates. There's um, it's not even the word I'm looking for. Cognates to that, right? There's three or four Greek words: babto, baptisma, all that. We're not even going to get to. We may get to those. I don't know if we'll get to all those today. But but that's we're going to kind of start with that. Before we do, though, we have methods or modes of baptism. I think I've already said them in a way when talking about the introduction. But you have three methods or modes of baptism, and that is sprinkling, pouring, and immersion. Now, in for most denominations today, and probably for the last couple of hundred years, um, most people are, are, are familiar with sprinkling and immersion, to be submerged in water. Pouring is not as common anymore. Um, many scholars believe pouring was one of the primary ways in which baptism was done in the past. And we know it was in a few denominations in the past. However, it's just not something that's done much anymore. Um, but it's mostly sprinkling or, or immersion. Um, well, and within our denomination, being Baptist, as we've said many times, there are people that are so dogmatic on it to be a full immersion in a pool of water. Yeah. that, uh, that They wouldn't allow for pouring. No, they won't allow for pouring. And I think, you know, my question has always been this, and it's kind of the same question that I asked everybody. And and there are people that have totally different answers on this. My thing is, if you have somebody who is 
simple-minded, I guess you could say, but they're, they come to Christ, but yet they have a, a fear of water, deathly fear of water, that they, you're not going to get them near that, that baptism pool. A phobia. A, a phobia. true phobia. Yeah. So if they have a phobia, what are, they, what are we to do? What are we to do at that point? Are we going to be so caught Hold, hold them down. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and we've heard that said before. I I, 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 they're clinging onto the glass as I shoved them under the water. And I don't know if we have to be that harsh about it. I, I, I mean, is there not some sort of grace that is allowed if somebody is able to come to Christ and their desire is to be baptized, but let's say they're bedridden. Let's just say that. Let's just say they come to Christ later in life and they are bedridden. Do we have to put them in the chair, put them in the swimming pool, and if they can't do it, can we not take a sponge, put it over their head, immerse them as best we can with the water to symbolize that they're being buried with Christ and raised to new life? What if that person has that desire? Are we that pugnacious about about the thought that it's got to be in behind the altar? Behind, I mean, are we that dogmatic about it? I'm not. I, I'm not either. I'm not. So you know where I stand with and it. And I believe immersion, well, is, it's obviously, that's the common view. Of, and the preferred of way. Yeah. But but it's not. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah. It's it, There's not a dogma. Okay. Uh, we want to, we don't want to tip too much too early, but uh, yeah. So we have, we have, we have sprinkling pouring and we have immersion or dipping. Now, there's. Two major types today in practice, in view, which is pedo-baptism, uh, the pedo-child, baby. Uh, we get the same, get the word, I hate to say this, but pedophilia comes from that same root, pedo, for, for, the, for, the, for the infant. So, so um, pedo-baptist are those that, that believe in baptizing infants and small children. Okay. And then... You have another one that would be called, now that's also sometimes called covenantal baptism, but it's generally sprinkling, but it's not always. There are certain groups of Eastern Orthodox, I understand, that immerse babies. They baptize under the water babies. They don't sprinkle, but whatever. Um, so there's that. And then we have the other is called so, so believers or or conversant, conversion, um, converts, baptism. Um, and that can mean, as we generally think of in terms of the Baptist doctrine, that that means someone makes a public profession of faith. They say they've come to, to faith in Christ, salvation, they understand it now, and they're following him in what's called believer's baptism. That's, that's conversion. That is in, being done as soon as possible after the conversion, the conversion to Christ. Now, converts, baptism, is meaning can mean any of the three types that we've already mentioned sprinkling um pouring or immersion it's not about the type it's not about the method it's about the type the fact that it's of a convert that can also be from one to the other one form to the other you're joining a church that's part of a denomination or has a doctrine of baptism that says you must be fully immersed and you are sprinkled or poured at your previous church in order to join with them as part, a member of that congregation, they may require a rebaptism into that that system, which means you would then have to be immersed. That's also converts baptism. That means converting from one form to the other, or from one type to the other. But not to be confused with the um, 
the landmark stand status of it of if you're not baptized in that particular local body yeah uh which we do One of these not days we should do a history of of uh, various different sects within what's called baptist because the baptist movement is is broad There's oh sure so many different forms of baptist but- landmarkism is a is a it's from the 1800s it's particularly a southern United States thing. It's a trail of and, blood. And it is this this concept that when those the actual bride of Christ is landmark Baptist. There may be friends of the bride who could be saved, but they're not part of the actual well, church. The actual bride of Christ is only landmark Baptist and that means your name is put on a roll in that local body and you have to be baptized into a church that believes in landmarkism. Some landmark churches won't even allow you to go from one landmark church to the other that's, without being rebaptized. You may be baptized three or four times in your life. That, that's what that's I, overkill. That's excessive. Well, but. well, that's what I was getting at too. We have here, we know here localized for us that there was that there are people who are in certain churches because if they would have went to another church, they would have had to have been baptized into that local body, even though they had already experienced believers' baptism in another Baptist church or a like faith church. They always want to use the term like faith, but they don't that's jargon in a way because they don't truly mean like faith church. Because if somebody comes from a church that honestly believes that you had repentance and faith, and then that baptism is just an outward showing of an inward change. So you've had the repentance of faith. You have, you are being raised to new life in Christ with a newness of life. When you're being raised in that, that's believers baptism. So when that happens, why can't a church that is air quote like faith accept that baptism? Um, it's referred to as alien baptism. Right. I, I'm not going anywhere that practices alien baptism. I just will not do it. I will not well, go down that man-made road. The the primary... Heretics insert now. Right. Well, the primary difference is only if you say it's of like faith and, and you say, well... Salvation is all of Jesus, mm-hmm. and it comes from faith in Christ, repentance for sins, right? And and you say that, but then you add to that that baptism has some mystical power. It's faith and baptism. Baptism is the outer work of that inner faith, but until you're baptized, you're not actually sealed. And there are groups that believe that. Certain disciples of Christ, uh, I don't know about if they're... I think there is a, a one Baptist denomination that kind of believes that, and so... I would have an issue. I would almost consider that alien baptism. Here's why. Unless, because that person, once you're signing on to that, other, another one would be Mormon or Jehovah's Witnesses or even Church of Christ, because they also believe that the baptism is part of your faith, Roman Catholicism. Baptism starts your salvation. You're and, justified by your baptism. And now we have a whole doctrinal a issue yeah, that, that we don't that agree is, with. That is an alien baptism, but you're being Presbyterian or Methodist General Baptist versus SBC versus Northern versus American Baptist, that's like faith, folks. As long as you're believing the actual gospel. Do not get me wrong. There are heretical sects of Presbyterians today, as there are Methodists and have been for years. As far as the United Methodist Church, it's so liberal today that I would have a hard time going to a United Methodist Church. But I have visited Methodist churches in the past and got along great with them and and heard some good preaching there. The reason being... Not all Methodist churches are equal, just like not all Baptist churches are equal, just like not all Presbyterian churches are equal. There are non-denominational churches that have some of the best doctrine. Wonderful gospel. You know, a, a Grace Community Church is a non, 
a uh, non-denominational, non, non, non-denominational, but yeah, originally founded by a Methodist, a Wesleyan preacher. Sure. If but if that a member were to come around here, they would tell you you have not been air quote scripturally baptized, even though which is that a church false is teaching that church's um, doctrinal statement shows the exact same meaning for baptism that say a Southern Baptist church would show. So let's get back to baptism, and we touched on infant baptism a little bit, and we kind of mentioned that very briefly. So I want to get on that just for a second. Is it something that the the apostles commanded? Is it something that they said that you must do? And if not, or if so, where did it come from? You know, you kind of trace the first roots of uh, infant baptism really back to the um, third century to origin. You know, you don't see a lot of it till then. So the question is, how does this doctrine come about if it shows up so late? And, and how does it happen? And it seems to happen, and it seems to, to, to teach coming out of the household baptisms that you and I have talked about a lot of times, uh, them and their whole household uh, was saved. Right. Um, you know, really, uh, Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, I believe it's toward the end of that that chapter that it talks about and him and his whole uh, household was saved. And what does that mean? Do we just automatically run and we say, okay, that they were all baptized? Is that, in, is that what's implied there? Is baptism implied? Uh, how, how do we wrestle those, those things? I guess that's what I'm getting at with you. You, you, you go ahead. I know you get something. Well, I have written down here that there are there are two major justifications for pedo baptism. One is as a means of salvation or mm-hmm. grace, a means of grace. You've heard that term. Uh, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and certain, if you read their actual creeds, certain uh, groups that we would call Reformation actually taught this. It's actually in their creeds. Oh, the, re- the Reformers really yeah, believe it, in Yeah, it's in their creeds. So the origins of Presbyterianism, for instance, teaches this. And you have covenantal baptism today in many Reformed Presbyterian churches in the United States and in, in, and in Scotland especially. What they're saying is, is that it's a covenant, okay? A means of salvation, or it's the other one is that it's a covenantal rite of passage. Now, here's what I mean by that. They're still relating it to, to, to salvation, in the sense that they many believe that that is a showing, an outer seal showing the election. Okay? The the Reformation view of election, the idea that uh, God has elected a group of people, and that's his church, that's his bride. And so, in that election, when you baptize your children, you are saying, we are of the elect, and I am showing that my child will be of the elect. The belief is that you raise... you. It's, and as, let's be real, we don't use the real term for in English language anymore, it's not actually raise a child, it's rear a child. To rear the child in a, in a way in which they're brought up in godliness and they're taught gospel, then one day that's going to seal them until their heart is pierced by the Holy Spirit and they come to repentance. But until then, once they're infants and toddlers, they're still they're sealed. That's where the covenant is. So if you don't baptize that baby, the fear is if they die without the baptism... They're not sealed. They're not sealed. They're going to hell. And you have the power as the parent of that child, as a believer, to protect that child's soul until it comes to the, its own ability to, to make a decision for or against Christ. Now, the problem about this idea of the sealing is that 
Besides the fact that it's nowhere mentioned in scripture, but that's Sorry, trying sorry, to where's predict, our but you could fall into the logical fallacy of trying to prove a double negative by saying, well, it's not in the scripture, therefore it's not possible. Well, we're never told we can have pizza in the scripture either, but I believe we both have eaten pizza many times. Okay. So that's not, that's not true either. The idea that you can only sing a hymn or you can only sing the Psalms. That's not necessarily true either. There are many songs of worship. In fact, there are lists of different types of songs even found in the scripture. So, you got this idea of normative versus, what's the other term? Uh, regulative. Regulative. The idea that God regulates what he wants in worship versus what normative meaning it's allowable as long as it's not prohibited. Well, paedo-baptism isn't prohibited, therefore they say it's acceptable. Yes. And and, and, and that the thing is, what their own language is in the creeds, okay, the Westminster Creed of Confession and all these others, is that they're using language which is so similar to Catholicism that it is saying that there is a special benefit of grace given to a baby. Babies well, can't believe anything other than mama's going to feed me and change my diaper. And we always got to remember, too, when the reformers, a lot of the reformers were not, were not removed very far from Catholic, especially somebody like Luther. Yeah, or so, Zwingli. Or, or Zwingli. Those or, guys or, or still held on to a lot of their their Catholic beliefs. There was... There was they, they went to the Sola Scriptura, they went to the faith alone, they went to those things, but there was still principles that they hung on to. Well, the, the Lord's Supper is one that there was a vast argument about the Lord's Supper amongst those guys. Well, doc, Dr. Michael Heiser will say in, in, um, in his podcast, The Naked Bible, uh, the first several editions of that were short teachings on baptism. And he stated... These confessions get it so right about soteriology, about justification. They'll say it's only by by grace through faith. It's all the work of Christ on the cross. It's nothing to do with us. It's by faith and repentance. He'll say, and then read what they say about baptism. And it seems like they replace it and say, but baptism is important because it does this, this, and that. And the idea is that you can't actually make those two things work together. You're saying something different about baptism than you are about actual salvation faith, salvific faith. And if you combine those two, you've added a work to the salvation. Well, and you think about so many things that you're just ingrained with as you're taught. So if, if you're taught up and you're trained from a child, you've been in church and you've been taught certain things, it's hard It's hard to break those things, even though they may not be scriptural, but it's, it's what your church has taught, it's what your parents have taught you. It's hard to break those things because in your mind, they have to be right. Um, I, well, I'll use an example that me and you have talked about many times, and this is something not along baptism, but... How many times have we talked about the ten percent when it comes to tithing? Sure, and that's not scriptural, right? Uh, that's an Old Testament. That's thing. an Old Testament that principle. Was a, very much at Israel. Yeah, and, and very much. And if uh, you added up all of their actual tithes and offerings that they did through the throughout the year and through a seven year period, on average, actual male head of household would give something like twenty three to twenty five percent of his income. So say twenty six was what comes it, to mind. It's offering. not. It's not. Just 10%. 10%. The tithe was a special offering. But because we have always heard that, it's kind of a hard doctrine of of, to get over of like, well, am I sinning? And if I don't, because since you were little, that's all you've heard. Well, do we not have an old hymn called Trust, Try, and Prove Me? Yeah. And which it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because they're quoting that from the Old Testament scripture, though. It's not New Testament. It's old scripture. And so... That's what I'm saying with a lot of the reformers. There were certain doctrines that I think they just had a fear or it was ingrained so much in their thought that they were not willing to separate from those. Oh, they were willing to give up penance and they were willing to give up uh, the priest as a confessional and all that. Penance, doing penance. They were willing to give up 
uh, indulgences and things like that, uh, they saw that as wrong, and, and rightly so. They gave up uh, the idea of an intermediary place of the dead, um, which is purgatory. They gave all those things up, and rightly so. They gave up the celibacy of the priesthood, and rightly so. They saw each individual as the priesthood of the believer, right? Having the priesthood of the believer. Yeah. And that Jesus Christ alone is our high priest. They understood the book of Hebrews quite well. They got a few things wrong, you know? And I think and one you, of the things they held on to, of all things, was paedo baptism. And I think you nailed it on the head earlier when you said it's either regulative or normative. Yeah. And so they, you know, the baptism in their eyes did fall under the normative or the the normative, not yeah. the regulative. It's not regulating scripture. So since it's not saying to do or not to do, then that's something they did. And and Vody Balcom not. Not on baptism, but teaches on regulative versus normative. Normative, he teaches on it at one of the shepherd conference, I believe, and, and did a really good job because we see it today on other things: regulative versus normative. And, sure. and you know, we make a law where there's not a law, but that happens many, many times. And, and so, infant baptism is something that I, I just I cannot in any way agree with. Well, if 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 it was a grace or a means of salvation, okay as is the Catholic teaching, then it is actually the beginning of the work of Christ, right? But that's not where the beginning of the work of Christ begins, right? It begins with the cross and faith in what was done on the cross. What is the gospel according to Paul? That God sent this man, Jesus, to be King of kings and Lord of lords, that by his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we are saved through faith in that. We are not saved because of water. And what does it say in Corinthians? He who knew no sin became, became sin, sin. For us. For us. Yeah. And, and now, and if it's a covenant, if it's a sign of a covenant, then you're equating it with something else. It's a new covenant, right? The new covenant in my blood, though. Remember that. The new covenant is in his blood and in his body. That's that's what we celebrate when we do communion, okay? Can I back so up for just a minute? If this covenant, okay, yeah, go ahead. Let me, let me back up for just a minute. I, wanna, I thought about this. We're talking about being covenant, covenantial. Mm-hmm. And do we as Baptists not do something similar, not with the baptism though, but we do the baby dedication. Yeah. And you see them all the time, so new parents have a baby. But we say it different, do we not? They're saying we're sealing, and what do we say as Baptists? We're saying us as parents. The family's made a commitment to bring this child up. We are committing to bring that child up in the ways of the Lord. And people will run and go, well, you guys do the same thing in the Baptist that we do with with infant baptism. No, we don't. No, it's not the same. It's not covenantial to seal the child that we say we're going to dedicate that child to the Lord. We are saying that we are going to train up this child in the ways of the Lord as parents. Christening or pedo baptism is an actually, as you said, it's a covenantal seal that says we are putting this baby into Christ. No. Baby dedication says, I'm going to put Christ into this baby, meaning I'm going to ingrain it in its heart and its mind. And if he chooses, he or she goes away from that, it's not because I didn't do my job as a parent. That child is rebellious against God. And we talked about this before in a previous episode that I recently, I'm actually caught up now. I've listened to all of our episodes as of this week. And that is that we talked about this, that you can bring a child up and still have an, still have an apostate. Oh, absolutely. It, it will happen. Now, the the idea of the of the covenant says then that that we have held this child as we're showing this child as part, a member of the elect that's been sealed into the what the church you're making this baby a member of the church that doesn't seem to gel 
with what we see in the book of Acts and with what we see in the Great Commission that Jesus himself commanded about baptism. Go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we, we, it seems to be that we're doing the work. It seems to me that it's a work. It's, it's, and that's it's, not what salvation is at all. But you've made baptism part of a work that, in, that it leads to salvation. Nothing can lead to salvation but the work of the Holy Spirit. Because we've made it, if, if not, I say we because I'm not in this group. It seems as though that mode has made it man-centered and not God-centered. Yes. You know, that now they will argue that. They will argue what I just said, that they do not make it uh, man-centered, that it is truly God-centered. But I, the only way I can see it as an outside looking in is you have said that you, the parent, are the mode of salvation for that child. And then you'd have to beg this question then. Why is it then that some who have been baptized in reform circles, I'm talking about legit Protestant Reformation, um, doctrinally sound churches, and they're brought up in there, then why do they go astray? Why do some completely apostatize? Well, because they were never saved in the first place. Right. Because they. But then that means what the creeds themselves and what the, what the denominations are preaching about baptism, it doesn't have the efficacy that they claim it has. It's not actually sealing anyone for anything. If you can apostatize from that, and you're supposed to be brought in, sealed into the covenant, you we were made a member of the church before you even had a chance to say whether or not you would be a member of the church, then it kind of disproves the concept of this being a seal of a covenant. And then it boils down into, uh, did they lose their salvation if they had it? No, they weren't saying. That's what I'm saying, you know, so... It gets down into that aspect of did they lose salvation? So I, I want to read something from, um, this is an old book, okay? I have an old copy of um, Holman's Smith's Bible Dictionary. There's, you know, it's, 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 this is really an old book. <laughs> Pages are starting to turn brown, and et cetera, et cetera. Here's what it says about baptism. Washing before prayer or sacrifice was a custom among all ancient ancient nations of the Middle East, Near East, as a sign of spiritual purity and the physical cleanness, and baptism was instituted as an initiatory rite of his religion by our Lord Jesus Christ. To be baptized for Moses, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2, means to become subject to the law of Moses. To be baptized for Christ shows an intention to become a true follower of Christ. Now, what, what, what I wanted to say about that was this. What we had here is a reference to baptism as found in, believe it or not, Judaism. A lot of people never really talk about this. But if we're going to talk about the history of baptism, then you have to mention the fact that it, particularly in the intertestamental period during what we call Second Temple Judaism, and up through the first century A.D., you have converts to Judaism. They always had converts to Judaism, right? And all the males would be circumcised, correct? But there were purification rituals that occurred before you could be a part of the temple. And one of those was to bathe in clean water uh, and, and you would be made a member of that synagogue and then you'd be allowed to do temple worship. That was called baptizo. Baptize. Baptisma. Baptism. To be baptized. And so... In the Greek, and we find references to this in various people, Josephus, Philo. Um, Josephus, Josephus, when he uses it, it, it 
um, he uses it to talking about dying materials. Yes, he is. That's the yeah. only well, way he uses it. Well, okay. We, we've, we've got to do what we said we were going to do, which is to, which is actually define the word baptizo. Okay. A simple definition is to dip, as in water, as into water, to immerse, which means to sink into or under water or a solution, to dye or tinge a cloth or textile in a fluid. We don't think about that part, do we? I've got to read this to you. I've go, got, go, I've go, got to read this to you. Go it for was, it. It was in one of the, the biblical dictionaries here. Uh-huh. And it said, the clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo, baptizo is a text from the Greek poet and physician, Nicander, who lived in 200 BC. I actually have that pulled up on my phone. <laughs> it, is, it is a recipe for making pickles and is helpful because it uses both words. Babto, and the words are babto. Go ahead and do that. Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should be first dipped, bapto, yep. into boiling water and then baptized, baptizo, into vinegar solution. That means immersed both, under. Both vegetables concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution. But the first is temporary. The second act of baptizing the vegetable produces a permanent change. When in the New Testament, the word is often reversed to the union and identification with Christ, um, than uh, than to our water baptism than Mark sixteen sixteen, he believes, and is baptized shall be saved. Christ is saying that their mere their mere intellectual assent is not enough. There must be a union with him, a real change like the vegetable. And and Doctor Heiser points uh, this out about the dying and the tinging. He says, and he uses that verse that you were talking about. That people get that confused and make baptism part of your salvation. Oh, uh, 1616. Yeah, is that he says what they're not paying attention to that says that it means believe and be baptized to be saved, such as various denominations, Church of Christ, Disciples of Christ, different ones, is that they're not paying attention to that part about being dyed in a, cl- a cloth being dyed in solution. What does the dye do? It actually emerge, merges with it, right? It's a marriage. It's a wedding. Yeah. And what are we as the church? We are married to Christ, correct? Mm-hmm. So you're made one. That dye actually changes the, the outer properties and inner properties of that fabric. It completely changes color. We completely change. So when that talking about that, it's not about to be immersed. You're put into what? You're put into Christ. Into Christ. It's not about I'm going to be baptized and join this church. I'm being put into Christ. That's what that baptism there means. So give but, those seven types of baptism you were so, going to say because you got to understand when those word when the word is baptism is used and it's used something like 81 times in the New Testament, the Greek. It's not always referring to water baptism. No, there are, on the pages of Scripture, seven different types of baptisms that we see. And every one of these is different, Mm -hmm. but it is a form of baptism. The first one that we really see and talk about is the baptism of Moses. And you see that in the book of 1 Corinthians. And and when they talk about it, in particular, chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, when it talks about... uh, they're identified with Moses as they follow him through the parting of the Red Sea, and they follow God in the in the cloud, and there's the pillar of fire by night. So they are baptized into Moses via this. And, and as and, I mentioned, ancient sources show us, and archaeological things have proven, that they did have ritual baptism for new converts from Gentiles and Samaritans and such as that into a local um, uh, synagogue. They did do a baptism, a ritual cleansing. And, and then you have the baptism of John. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we had a discussion about this earlier. I think it's probably one of the best things to do right now. When is the first mention of baptism in Scripture? Okay. So, looking at your Bible and you look at it uh, physically, 
Matthew in order, begins first. Matthew begins first as the four Gospels, and you have chapter 3 begins with John the Baptist talking about his baptism. And I want to read that in a minute. But the other thing is, if you uh, if you take Mark and supremacy, that's to say that Mark was the first written Which Gospel. I do. Yes, and I know you do. Um, Matthean, some take Matthean, uh, which is Matthew. A lot do. Uh, and I believe even John MacArthur has come out and said he's a, he's a Matthean. Yes, he is. Supremacy. I, I, I'm more Markin, and I know you are. Um, then you have Mark chapter one, where it goes right into John the Baptist. I think it's verse four. Um, believe so. I've got it marked here with my ribbon marker. And yes, John the Baptist appeared. I'm reading from the New American Standard. John the Baptist appeared. So let's start with Mark one, chap- chapter one, verse four. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Um, skipping a verse and going to verse 7, And he was preaching and saying, After me one is coming, who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, you could say um, the, the Greek can be translated in instead of with water. In, it can be translated with or it can be translated by. Mm-hmm. It all means the same thing, either in water, with water, or by water. But here's the problem with that. That leaves it open to interpretation, rather whether it was sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. But since it's at the Jordan River... They were going down into the Jordan. My, 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 and you'll see this when Jesus is baptized. Very next, in, in verse 9, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Um, now and he's we, preaching repentance for the coming Messiah. Yeah. Is what, is, is you, what John is preaching You need to repent about. to be forgiven of your sins. Your, your, your cold and callous Second Temple Judaism isn't correct anymore. What you need is a change of the heart. The circumcision of the flesh, Paul said, never brought about sin. It was never a forgiveness of sins. It was never efficacious for that. It was a sign of the of the of the Abrahamic covenant. Okay, it was an outer sign of of something else. Um, we'll get to that when we get to some of the the controversial subjects about baptism, probably in our next episode. But we'll get to Colossians and talk about. One thing, though, whatever if, if you base it on that verse, then whatever you say about baptism, you also should be able to say about uh, circumcision. And sometimes you can't say the exact same thing about those two things. So that's and, something to remember. And what John is saying here, that, that there's the repentance of sin about the coming Messiah, and these people, by being baptized, are showing faith in what John is teaching. But there's a change, because Jesus never does any baptism. He, he delegates that to his disciples. disciples. And so he delegates that to. Interestingly enough, in Acts chapter 18, I believe it's verse 24, you remember what Apollos is doing. Apollos is a disciple of John, and he is baptizing, and I believe it's Priscilla and Aquila, I believe in Acts chapter 18, without having it pulled up. They have to instruct him that it's not right now, that what baptism really is now. Because he's still teaching the John the Baptist way, and they and and they have to correct him in that. Understand John's role of baptism, which we need to get to. It was a different baptism. Yes, it was a different baptism that will explain some of those other later passages about those who didn't have the Holy Spirit, etc. Once we get to that, um, and sticking the, with uh, the seven, yeah, and the types next baptism, one you have, you is have baptism Moses, of- and you have John. And then you have the baptism of Jesus. Okay. So John, 
John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. The dove descends, says, this is my this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased after the baptism. Was John a general Baptist, a Southern Baptist? Well, actually, he was a pastor at First General Baptist Church uh, slash Independent slash King James Only slash... There you go. Landmark. Anything else that you want to insert. No. 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 It means John the Baptizer. That's actually a better way of, oh, of thanks actually... thanks for getting my blood pressure up. Yeah, I John the Baptizer would be the right way of, oh, of actually translating that. that. Where was I? And that's all Baptist means, someone who baptizes. And and when he baptizes Jesus, this is Jesus saying, I identify with sinful humanity. Right. I identify with the creation that has fallen. And I'm showing the way. And when you are baptized, you're identifying with me saying this. Salvation will come through what? Death, burial, and resurrection. So you are taken down into the waters of the Jordan, signifying your death. You are raised up into new life. It's eternal life. Jesus didn't need it. He didn't need it to wash away his sins. No, his He was said not. he did it to fulfill all righteousness. He did it to show the way for yeah, us. Yeah, he, he did not need repentance. No. There was nothing to repent for in Jesus' That's why John life. didn't want it. He no, tried to forbid him. He, he did, did not, not want, want to baptize him. I'm not worthy. And he's like, I need to be baptized by you. And by the way, in Matthew, John says, I baptize you with water. He's going he's gonna to baptize you with fire and spirit. Well, ironically, number four, baptism of fire, is ironically <laughs> what's coming next, the baptism of fire. Okay. And it is Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Yeah. And we see that John tells him he will baptize you with fire. And that is saying Jesus is going to judge the world for its sin. Mm-hmm. He is coming. He is here. He's not coming. He's here when this happens to judge the world for its sin. And and, and it is at hand because a little later he talks about the harvest and, and the 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 was it the winnowing fork that he calls it yeah and his and his fork is in his hand in other words yeah. he's going to thresh it's like it's the, the picture harvest. is the idea of pulling out the harvest and you're throwing it into a pile and you take the winnowing fork you lifted the the, the plant material into the hand into the air by hand the wind blew away the light dry particles that was the chaff that was not true wheat that was tares that had dried up the tares amongst the wheat is what mm-hmm. we always see that in Matthew taught too. So and that's then, a baptism of basically he's harvesting it. And what happens to that chaff? It's burned. It's burned. It's judged. It's so burned. We have baptism of Moses, the baptism of John, the baptism of Jesus, the baptism, baptism of, of fire, and now we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Is what we would come to next. That is our mode of regeneration. Yeah. That is when the Spirit convicts us. The, that is when we are saved by the Spirit. That is when um, He indwells us. He seals us. He takes us over. That That is the spiritual baptism is the moment a believer is converted. And so we see the spiritual baptism. Now, after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more. I'm going to say two more. No, I mean, let me add that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's the initiation of our life in Christ. That, that is when our life in Christ begins. And that's that term I mentioned a minute ago, being put into Christ. Being put into something. Christ's Spirit is put into, the Holy Spirit is put into you, and you are made one with Him. And then the baptism of the cross. Now, this one becomes interesting, and the reason I say that is because you have James and John that they ask Jesus for special place in the kingdom. Uh, they ask Him for the special place, and what does He tell them? He tells them, unless what happens to me happens to you, you know, what I'm about to endure. He's about to endure the cross. He's about to endure the suffering. He's about to endure death. And he tells them that 
you're going to get the same thing. You know, it's what essentially he, he tells them. And I'm trying to remember the scripture. I think it's Mark chapter 10, 35. And it's referred to as suffering. We know that James martyred. Yeah. John was exiled. Tortured before tortured. that. Tortured. I mean, he had sufferings that he endured for the sake of Christ. And, and lived to be in his mid-90s. Yes. He, and, he, and he writes the Gospel of John. He writes the Epistles of John. He writes the book of Revelation. But all through this, he suffered for Christ. He suffered for what he believed, and he was willing to die for it. And so they have this suffering, and if you're going to be baptized with me, then you're going to suffer with, with me. me. And by the way, it says to count it joy. Count it joy. James. Yeah. The book of James says to count it all joy. It's in yeah. chapter 1. I believe it's the second or third verse. Count it as all joy when you suffer. Man, that's a hard pill to swallow as a Christian today. Sure it is. And that's, you know... It's a really hard pill to swallow that I have to find joy when I am persecuted, when I am not the most popular for Christ. That's what it is. Yeah. And then the lastly is our believer's baptism. Right. So after the spirit baptism. And that's the baptism of water. The baptism of water. After the spirit has indwelled us, has sealed us, and now we have that baptism that we're signifying that we died with Christ and we are brought to the newness of life with Christ. So to sort of summarize, we're going, yeah, we're getting near the hour mark, so we need to go ahead and wrap this up for this time. We knew this would only be an introduction. Folks, this is just the introduction. We'll come back to these subjects and do a, a broader, hopefully a broader, uh, more specific exegesis. Um, we actually went into some areas I didn't plan on us going into today, but it happens. No, um, but it's all areas that are, yeah. that are need to be covered. That's we're going to talk. Let's just reiterate one last time the idea of the Greek word baptizo as the English verb baptize to baptize to dip or immerse. Okay, we already know bapto is to dip, and that's where the root for that comes from. And to immerse, you're put into or under, submerged in, immersed, pushed into. So we are put into Christ through our baptism. We are put into the water. Meaning that, historically speaking, the most accurate mode of baptism would probably be to be pushed underwater and sure. brought up. Absolutely. Now, we do know, as I said, there are some people who practice infant baptism, actually submerged babies, small children. There are people who practice only a believers only in convert baptism that baptize in, in, an, in a special way. They'll go forward or they'll go backward only. Or they'll go forward, backward, forward. You have the three times. Okay? Because, no, yeah, but yeah, the Plymouth Brethren, for instance, they do this. Um, and as, a, as, a, as an example of, of a, a, a modern scholar who was, who was Brethren, F.F. Bruce. Frederick yes. Fivey Bruce was Brethren. He would have probably been baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, not by words, but as an individual immersion for each one. So you're baptized three times. That's their tradition. There are others that do it as well. Some believe in going forward, and some believe in going backwards. Some believe in alternating them in three. So we, we have we have different forms of immersion besides that. You know, It's not just the way, for instance, that um, the way I was baptized, it was I was tipped backwards under the water and brought up. They said, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they put me under the water. Were they said by the no power? No, 
was not. I, uh, historical note, I was baptized by my father. Which is wonderful. Who, who was me. a Baptist preacher. That and, is an absolutely wonderful thing. And I'm I'm going to tell you, lots of tears were shed that day. He was so happy to be the one to baptize me. And he baptized me. And he said, I baptize you, my brother. And then he, I believe, choked up a little bit, as I recall, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he put me under. And he said, um, buried in likeness with him, put me under the water. And I was hoping he'd hurry up and bring me up. I couldn't swim. And I was terrified of water as a child. Uh, and he said, raised to walk in newness of life in him and in him and in Christ. And, but I think he worded it as in him. And I was just like, it was a pronoun for God. And I was just like, oh. Awesome. What do you think about that? That is something that you will always remember. And I pray to God that I get to do that with my girls. Sure. I, I mean, I pray to God that that's and I pray I you mean, do too. That, I mean, that is so marvelous to have a father baptize a child. I don't, I, to me, it's one of the greatest things that you could see i mean outside of salvation of course salvation is most important but man to be able to baptize one of your own children i couldn't imagine the feeling yeah. i can promise you if it happens to me yeah like your father i will get choked up if i can hold it together from the beginning so we've discussed baptism it's very rudimentary definition of sure the word baptizo you could go much further than that um the three modes or methods of baptism sprinkling pouring and immersing and we think we know what those are um the two theoretical traditions of baptism, which is paedo-baptism, the, the, the baptism of infants, and believer's baptism, or convert baptism. And then we have, within, within baptism, the idea of there are seven symbolic types or families of baptism found in the Bible. They begin with the baptism of Moses, the baptism of John, the baptism of Jesus, the baptism of fire, yep, baptism the baptism of, fire. of the Spirit, and the baptism of water. Water, uh, the believers that, let's say, yeah. you said them all. You yeah. got the Moses, John, Jesus, fire, uh, Holy Spirit, cross is oh, the one. Oh, I left and out the cross. Cross and believers. Cross and, and then believers or water baptism. Um, that's pretty much all we're going to have time for today to cover when we come back. So go ahead and tease what's going next. So everybody knows our, our kind of our outline as we follow this, because we are following an outline sure. walking through this. Well, next time we're going to, we've discussed Baptism as a as a brief definition, if you can call almost an hour a brief definition. But um, it's a serious subject. Your types of baptism, your method of baptism. Next time, I almost said next week, but I don't think it it probably won't be next week. But in the next few weeks, our next our next episode will consist of the biblical history of baptism. We're going to discuss John the baptizer, the baptism of Jesus a little more fully, of his disciples, Christ's commission of baptism. Did Christ command baptism? Pure and simple. Some say he didn't. We're going to look at the scriptures that we believe holds that he did. Paul's doctrine of baptism and the correlation that he brings in the book of Colossians. I, I urge you to look that up and read it yourself between it and circumcision. That's probably as far as we'll get in the next episode. In future time, we'll talk about arguments for and against pedo baptism a little more than what we already talked about. Sacramental versus reformed credo covenantal um, argument for believers only baptism. Uh, which I believe, I guess it's safe to say everybody knows by now that's what we follow and why we believe that. Who has the authority to baptize? We want to discuss that. That's a controversial yes, subject. Yes, but we are going to discuss who has authority to baptize and difficult scripture passages on baptism. For instance, baptism referred to as the ark, the baptism for the dead, the the baptism of the cross. And believe it or not, a lot of people don't understand that. The baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And is baptism a one-time only deal? Or is there biblical methods of rebaptism? 
And then at some point we'll conclude with why we believe it's important that you know what the baptism of doctrine the the doctrine of baptism is and how you can feel comfortable with relegating it to a secondary tradition as opposed to primary because we believe it is and we're going to try to make that uh clear um until then um the next time we meet we'll discuss that until then uh you keep praying for us and keep us in your prayers in this ministry as we enter this new year uh, we're in the, we're now in the middle of january already first month's almost come and gone uh, I do know that on Wednesday, the 20th of this month, just a few days it's from now, week. we will have the uh, inauguration of our 46th president, uh, Joe Biden, and we will have the outgoing of uh, Donald Trump. And uh, I know that uh, he was they voted to uh, impeach him, so there will be a trial at some point. I do know that the current Senate Majority Leader, who will cease to be so on on January 20th, has stated that he will not pursue a trial. There's not time, and there isn't. Not really. No, because they don't convene till Monday. Yeah, the next time there, they there was no time for that. Uh, but that doesn't mean there couldn't be a future trial under um, the future uh, January 21st, leader. they could do it. They could do it, and they might. And we'll see what they do. Um, be in prayer for your leaders. Be in prayer for a peaceful transition of power. Normally, we, we often say that, but we don't really think much about it. This is the first time I've ever thought there could be a non-peaceful transition of power for the first time and in I, the history of this nation. We don't want to be relegated to a third world nation if we don't have but to. I will say this. This is my political commentary for the day. Sure. I am embarrassed. It had what As a American citizen, I am embarrassed at what has transpired in the last 45 days. It, it has been a pure embarrassment to sure. our democracy. Sure, it has been. Uh, did the election go the way you wanted it? Maybe, maybe not. But it's still not a cause for these 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 incidents. No, and, and Christians, remember this. You're a political second. You're a citizen of, you're a kingdom citizen first. You're a citizen of whatever nation you live in second to that. Get, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Absolutely. But give God what is God's, and God gets all the glory. We don't want to do anything that brings an embarrassment to the name of Christ, ever. Well, and I'm going to clear up one other statement that gets said so often, and you and I have talked about this many times. Such and such is God's appointed man for the time. They all are. God has appointed every one of those for that time. It says he sets whether, up king. Whether good or evil, He he's the up. one in control, not not the man. No. So, um, so in... Also, in the future, we will get back to, uh, we'll finish up Bible translations as well, um, and we will uh, also have uh, Jonathan back on. Another Dumb with Friends and, coming in. Yeah, we're gonna, and we're going to finish up. With Jonathan, with, Dumb with Friends. Uh, we'll do that and, and, and finish up uh, views, three views on eschatology. And um, other than that, after that, we'll just have to come up with some new... New oh, we got a whole Bible, man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We got a whole Bible to discuss, and I still think we should talk about hermeneutics. Oh no, that, that was one of the ones we definitely talked yeah. about, and you know, and so we'll get to that and how people do hermeneutical gymnastics. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite terms. Sorry. So until then, everybody, I'm Roy. I'm Chaylin. God bless you all. Have a good week, and we thank you for listening to the Dumb Will Speak. Oh, 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 oh,